You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magnum Method Podcast, and it's been a while, people. It's been a while. Um, my apologies for being away for so long. Uh, I've been swamped with projects and, and different things of that nature. Yes, those are all excuses. Um, I'm going to make a promise to you right now to bring more guests, more quality interviews, more Q&As, all things podcasting uh, in the future. So just bear with me. The Magnum Method Podcast, podcast is brought to you by Dream Big Never Quit Apparel. You can find that on markmagda.com. It's also brought to you by Anatomy at 1220, the premier health and wellness fitness one-stop shop in Miami Beach, Florida. So there's a few things I want to talk about today. I'm just going to go right into it. Number one, I've received uh, a lot of wonderful correspondence via social media and, and uh, traditional in the mail beautiful letters beautiful cards uh, a shout out to a gentleman uh, in Japan who sent me this great 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 message uh, via social media also one of the young men I'm training was kind enough to, to give me a card he's an 11 year old young man who plays ice hockey he works incredibly hard and I haven't seen a young man at age 11 this focused in a long time the reason why he's such an interesting young man is because number one he wants to be great and he doesn't say it he wants to be great and what I mean by that is he begs his parents to come train with me so he volunteers for it he volunteers to sit in the car it's probably an hour drive to get here he trains for an hour in the hot sun doesn't complain doesn't ask for water breaks, pushes himself, tries to improve every single set or exercise. I bark at him, I'm hard on him. Then he leaves and drives an hour back home. He's 11 years old, 11. So if anyone's familiar with the great hockey player, Wayne Gretzky, and if I said, who do you think the greatest hockey player that ever lived uh, actually was? He's certainly in the discussion. Points-wise, he may be the all-time uh, leader. I'm not sure on that. We'll have to check. Wayne Gretzky stands about five foot ten, 165 pounds, maybe 170, 75 in his old age. He is not a physically imposing character. How did Wayne Gretzky become great? Here's how. His father had a makeshift ice hockey rink in the backyard, Canada. Wayne was playing two to three hours of hockey before the sun came up every single day. Then when he got to school, he talked about hockey. When he was done with school, he went back home and guess what he did? He played more hockey, two to three hours of hockey, 
six hours of hockey a day from the time when he was a little boy, probably four or five years old, his entire life. And when he wasn't on the ice, he used to uh, script uh, or a draw. And they found these drawings. And one day his mother asked him what the drawings were. And he said, this is an ice hockey rink. And if the puck goes here, I'm going to be here. They're going to give me the puck here, and I'm going to score a goal. So there were dots, and then there were lines. And he used to draw this on a piece of paper when he was five, when he was six, when he was seven. When he was six, seven years old, he would draw this on a piece of paper. So if you think you're going to be great at something, and you're not doing it six hours a day, you're not studying you're not thinking about it, you're not visualizing. You're not a young Wayne Gretzky drawing how the play's gonna happen. You got another thing coming. Because I am certainly not great, but I've been around some really great performers in my day. And all of them have wanted it so bad that they do it all day, every day, for decades. And that's exactly what it takes. Just like this young man I'm training now. He's obsessed with it. He's going to miss beach on the weekends. He's going to miss playing with his friends. He's going to miss downtime. He's going to miss playing on the iPad. And he is going to train in the sun by himself. And he volunteers to do it. No one's making him do it. He doesn't have a parent saying, if you train, we'll buy you a car. His family is not wealthy. He has nothing to fall back on. He may not be a great hockey player, but he will be special at whatever he does because of his level of commitment. Don't ever forget that. It all comes down to your level of commitment. I want to give a shout out to um, the fitness brand Jim Jones. I went to a certification about a month ago with uh, one of my trainers, Grant Weedens. I had an amazing experience at Jim Jones. It was um, a wake-up call to say the least. Firstly, let me tell you that uh, Lisa Bouchard is an incredible woman. Uh, she runs an amazing, amazing um, community there. A great group of trainers, some special people. I, I, I clicked with her. I thought she was wonderful. Um, honest, open, hardworking. They have a uh, ethos system there. Their etho uh, ethos is to work hard, not complain, treat people the way you wish to be treated. And it's really a lot of the things that we do here. But pushing yourself was uh, definitely higher. They set the bar, in my opinion. They have the head instructor of education, Bobby Maximus, who is a uh, a very nice individual, hardworking. Yes, he's a bit insane, but insane in all the positive ways. Uh, the reason I clicked with uh, Bobby Maximus is because he understands that they're not asking you to kill yourself. It's not about pushing yourself until you die. It's just push yourself just a little bit more. That's all they're asking. And that's really what I ask of the people around me. We're not trying to push you to hurt yourself. We're trying to push you just a little bit more and further than you ever thought you could go. And that's all one can ask. 
and that's why that brand Jim Jones is special and that's why anatomy at 1220 is striving to be special because that's what we ask of our people but it's important to surround yourself uh, with those types of individuals and that's why I travel across the country to go to these places I didn't go to Jim Jones to learn how to program although they could teach you that because they're very good at it I went because I wanted to know how they work how they do things what their culture is like why it's the way it is who upholds the standards who doesn't I remember thinking I was I did a 2000 meter row and I thought I was special because I did a 650 row I found out later that the head guy did a 610 row six minutes and ten seconds yeah, you'll have to forgive me because I'm very close to the fitness facility. I'm in the fitness facility, but there's a lot of traffic coming to our facility, which is a champagne problem, thank God. But at the same time, um, there's lots of people walking in and out, so bear with me. But anyway, going back to, to the 2K row, you have to understand that whatever you think your limits are, you can break through those limits. And we all know the story of Roger Bannister in the 4-Minute Mile. No one ever broke the four-minute mile. So when he passed uh, the finish line, across the finish line before the four-minute mark, he thought he was dead. He passed out, he thought he was dead because no one had ever done it. And then once he did it, everyone did it. So it's crucial to surround yourselves with people who push. Otherwise, you'll never reach your maximum potential. There's a few things I'm doing. I'm trying to, uh, you know, put myself in very comfortable uncomfortable positions and you know the reason I do things it's not because I enjoy them it's because when someone says yeah I could do that if I wanted to I'd rather you just shut up and not say anything I'm tired of hearing people that say yeah I could have been a special forces soldier or a navy seal that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard in my entire life no I don't think I could do that because the only way to prove that you could do it is to actually do it that's it. So the reason I keep throwing myself into these races to see how well I can do. I'm not doing it because uh, I love it. I'm not doing it just to finish. I'm doing it to push myself a little bit more as in what I previ has previously said in this podcast. So I'm doing a New York uh, one mile sprint as fast as I can. And I have a goal time for that. I'm going to try to... Uh, do less than six minutes and for me that's very fast because I'm not a small individual I probably weigh 220 pounds right now so for me that's very fast um, I have a half marathon to run with one of uh, a young lady here who's a cyclist and uh, we're gonna be a team and really try to do well in that so I have to train for that once again that is not easy for me the truth is nothing's easy for me everything is hard so I have to push myself and I have to work hard just to just to be in contention just to give myself an opportunity I have to work extremely hard and it's always been that way the third thing I'm doing is uh, it's called Everesting uh, with uh, Jesse Itzler I was invited to do this uh, climb with Jesse and Jay if you don't know who Jesse Itzler is he is the uh, the 100 mile man on Instagram he is also the author of living with a seal where he contracted contracted a Navy seal out to live with him 
to uh, toughen up his his life basically because he thought he was getting too soft that's a great book once again the book is called living with the seal check it out the seals uh, name is David Goggins or Goggins who is an incredible story in himself if you just uh, YouTube David Goggins you're gonna get some great interviews with David he's the only person uh, to go through the entire seal training twice and hell week twice and he also I believe he was a combat controller or pararescue in the Air Force and he actually passed that training and was dropped because he had sickle cell and um, he had to get a uh, waiver or a sign a letter from the president of the United States who actually gave him the letter but once he got the letter they said you can be go back into this Air Force special forces program but you're gonna have to repeat the training and he opted not to do that until this day he'll tell you that was the biggest mistake he ever made uh, but he's an incredible uh, story, interesting person. Jesse Itzler invited me to do this Everesting trip, and I'm not climbing Mount Everest. This is a basically a scheduled hike through a mountain in uh, Vermont, and that's uh, in a couple months. So I'm training for that, training for the one mile, training for the 13 mile. Um, and once again, it's there's only one way to test yourself and that's to actually do the events as I stated before you know for me it's hard man it's really hard uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit different I'm a different kind of person I'm not saying I'm not suggesting I'm better I'm just different and the way I function is I need to prove to myself that I can do those things otherwise I don't think I can do those things um, you know and it, it, it goes to I've been asked a few questions on social media the first question is, um, it kind of ducktails well into, you know, what being a quitter is. And, you know, I don't know what a quitter is. I just know that a lot of people, um, or people in general, rather, when things don't go their way, they say it's not for them. Or that's not something I want to do. They negotiate with themselves. And then they'll brainwash themselves into thinking that's not for me because I don't enjoy doing it and I'm going to be my own person, and that's not uh, something I want to endure. That's kind of, uh, that's, I call that an intelligent quitter because they can't accept the fact that they quit, so they're, they're going to negotiate with themselves to make it feel uh, okay for them to stop giving effort. So um, the intelligent quitter um, will come with every reason in the book to make sure they or to devalue a situation they're going to make sure that they downplay the value so they don't have to compete or keep giving effort so you know what you'll see traditionally is when, when things don't go someone's way they'll give up they'll play the victim and they'll just go away because they can't handle the pressure and most people can't I got to be honest with you. It, it took me years, and it's still hard for me. Uh, I've stated it before. The only thing I'm, I think I'm okay at, or solid at, or maybe a tad bit good at, is not quitting. That's it. You know, and I have people, the people in my life, they've said, um, you know, I don't want to work a nine to five, or I don't want to do this job, or I don't want to do this job, or I don't want to commit to anything. I want to do my own thing. I want to live free. And to me, that's just an awesome way of saying I'm afraid to commit to anything because if I don't do well, I'm going to feel like a failure. 
Really, that's what I hear. And maybe that makes me crazy and maybe that makes me nuts. Maybe that makes me a judgmental person. But, you know, I think the only way to really have total freedom in your life is to commit to something, work hard at something, earn a great living, whatever it is, that's your choice. And that great living financially should give you more options on how you want to live your life. Is that not correct? The ultimate freedom is having options to do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, as much as you want to do it, wherever you want to do it. I think that's the best way to describe freedom. Um, the next topic uh, I'm going into would be team, what a, being a teammate, okay? And there's a lot of talk about this, you know, in the media, in the news. Uh, I'm in the strength and conditioning uh, industry. I've been a high school athlete, collegiate athlete, professional athlete. You know, and I have a very um, kind of sculpted view of what being a teammate is. But I'm going to read you some of the traditional definitions on, of what being a teammate is. And then you're going to tell me, uh, you know, with your feedback and your answers, what you think being a teammate is. Okay. So, you know, there's there's so many different definitions. And uh, the basic definition of being a teammate being a teammate is a special privilege you have an opportunity to be part of something special with others who share similar interests when i think of being a teammate i think about being supportive no matter what and being open to communication i think that's great really once again i think about being supportive no matter what and being open to communication very interesting right you know, I could tell you stories about teammates uh, till the cows come home, and I'll, I'm going to tell you some of those stories on uh, a great teammate and then a uh, mediocre teammate. And then one of the questions on social media that was asked was, can you teach someone how to be a teammate? My reply was simply, I don't know. I think you can teach anyone anything if they want to learn, but teaching someone how to do something and having them implement it are two very different things. If someone wants to learn how to be a teammate and wants to be a better teammate, they'll be active in practicing those techniques. The problem is that most people don't see the value in being a teammate. There's a reason for this. They have an agenda. Most people have an agenda, which there's nothing wrong with at all. However, if you're on a team, you have to function as a team. That's the way a team works. If you're on a team trying to do your own thing, it doesn't matter how good you are, you are weighing that team down. You're an anchor. People who don't understand teamwork are merely selfish people. They're selfish and they don't understand that that's not okay. Well, being immature is being is a person, a person who is selfish is immature. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, I actually uh, listed, posted something about this on social media on my Instagram account. And the reason that they're immature is because they can't put anyone else first but themselves. They just can't do it. They try. There will be sprinklings or there will be little spots of peppered in teamwork type behavior 
but they can't do it with consistency and they can't live that life. They can't find it in themselves to put someone else before them. That's what makes them immature. So, you know, just understand that that's not necessarily their fault. They have to take responsibility if they're a grown up, if they're a grown woman or a grown man. But it's all the way they were raised. No one ever taught them how to care about someone else. No one ever showed them the way. Now, I've made great reference to the fact that I wasn't raised with a father, but I had several fathers from my high school football coach, my high school hockey coach, my college football coaches, several of them, a couple NFL coaches. Um, I'm always discuss talking about Jim Reed, my head coach at the University of Richmond, who was like a father figure to me for sure. And there's people this day who are father-like figures in my life who I learned a great deal from. But these individuals didn't have those types of things. So they don't understand. They didn't get those learning lessons. I was the receiver of hundreds of learning lessons from these people that didn't just tell me or show me they hammered those lessons into me and it was a crash course in swallowing your pride taking responsibility for things and doing everything you can to support others and most people don't want to do that and the reason they don't want to do that is because that takes them out of the equation they don't want to be left out because in their movie they're the star that's why it's their movie. So to answer the question I received online about can teamwork or uh, being a good teammate rather be taught, I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. In my field, it takes a lot of time to educate myself in fitness and wellness and movement and strength and conditioning and mechanics. I've invested so much time and money to learn those things. To be a great teammate, I'd have to invest the same amount of time in learning that. And most people, once again, don't see the value in that. So, is it likely that they'll become a better teammate? Probably not. They probably won't become a better teammate until that team-like atmosphere is gone. And I always compare it to Van Gogh. Van Gogh was a great artist, right? Um, so he um, is known to this until this day as one of the greatest, greatest figures in history. But here's the thing. Do you think that he was a happy person? And it's well documented that this individual was alone all the time. But he was great. And would you rather be great and be alone, or would you rather experience people and be a part of something special? And don't forget, you can still be great in that environment, or you could choose to be great on your own. I guess that's a question we all have to answer. So I just wanted to read this list because I thought you really would appreciate it on uh, the 10 qualities of a great teammate. And you know, you may have, uh, you know, your own uh, take on this, but, you know, I think it's really important that you hear these things from other people. Because when you hear these things from other people, what, what's great about it is, you know, you 
can you kind of put, place yourself in those categories and see how do you fare up in those categories? Because at, at the end of the day, we all want to improve. Really. I know we want to improve. But what steps are you taking to improve? I think that's one of the most important parts of life. It's one thing to say you want to improve, but how badly do you want to implement the strategies to improve? Okay? So I'm going to read you this list and then um, please respond with you know how you feel about this list and what your thoughts are because I really want to hear them. Okay. So number one, a great teammate develops relationships with their teammates. So it's not always about just winning and being the best. It's about deep and real relationships. Players must get to know each other. And that's more important than their actual craft. And the byproduct of that is improving your skill set because knowledge in a group, from a group, is more powerful than knowledge of one. Number two, a great teammate brings their teammates together. It's not bad that teammates want to do their own thing or they're shy or they're introverted, but it's important that they spend time together outside of the job because that'll give them a better understanding of who each person is. Number three, a great teammate is willing to play any role on that team. What do I mean by this? Okay. No one is the star. You are all contributors. You are all spokes on a giant wheel of success. And it's important to understand that you can be repositioned in any role and the team would not lose a beat, step, or stride. It's important to understand there are no stars. This is hard. This is a hard one. Okay. Next. Number four. A great teammate always gives their maximum effort. They don't go through the motions. They understand that showing up and showing up and performing well are two different things. You know, if someone doesn't do well, I'm okay with that. If someone doesn't get the result they want, I'm okay with that. But I have a very difficult time dealing with people who don't give great effort. That's very hard for me. It always, It's always been hard. And by the way, that's relationships, that's friendships, that's teamwork, that's anything. I'm not just talking about skill set. Number five, a great teammate works hard to learn more. A million percent. We can't. Uh, rest on our current base of knowledge we have to grow we have to seek out special people in our industry and we have to grow this is very important never stop learning ever number six a great teammate always leads by example you cannot lead if you don't um, set a great example by doing the things that you're asking other people to do a uh, quick story, there's another uh, fitness brand that would hire managers and leaders to run teams of trainers. And they were hiring managers that were mediocre trainers. 
they they couldn't even keep a full roster of clients they were unorganized they they didn't go out of their way to learn more but they were promoting these people to lead teams of trainers 20 something people well as it turns out as you could imagine the team of trainers is mediocre because they have someone in a leadership position who is mediocre there are no bad teams just bad leaders and if you want a great team you need an extraordinary leader that's a fact number seven a great teammate is always prepared number seven a great teammate is always prepared now this is a double-edged sword I've met teammates before that think they're always prepared and they may be prepared 90% of the time but they make mistakes as well so it's important to keep things in perspective I have placed great value in any individual who's prepared I love that I think it's a wonderful thing but no one is mistake free everyone makes mistakes I'll say that again everyone makes mistakes so it's important that we take ourselves serious but we don't take ourselves too seriously because if we do and we think we're mistake free that's when we'll make mistakes and the accountability mirror follows us everywhere number eight a great teammate understands their own strengths and weaknesses so it's important to know what you're good at it's important to know what you're not good at and the idea is to maximize the strengths minimize the weaknesses and improve upon those weaknesses as long as you take an active role in improving yourself you'll be good with this one maximize your strengths know what you're good at and improve your weaknesses and this is an ongoing affair at this school go on for the rest of your life you can never sit back and relax and say I'm not good at that you must attack it and you must improve it is what it is yes. number nine a great teammate always has a positive and energetic attitude you know I've heard it uh, it's been told to me I've heard it my entire athletic career I've heard it with every team energy and optimism cleans up a, a lot of rough patches if you can bring energy to the table and it's hard because in the industry I'm in we are energy givers and most of the people that want our energy are energy vampires I'm not talking about our clients because our clients are amazing I'm talking about the people who suck energy from others you have to be on guard for these people because they don't really want anything but to steal your energy because they don't have their own it's important that you understand that you are an energy giver you are sometimes looked at as the energizer bunny and you must give great energy because great energy provides a great atmosphere and a great atmosphere breeds success number 10 a great teammate always displays positive body language I'll tell you a quick story about uh, my coach at the University of Richmond, Jim Reed. He would always talk about positive body language. He would call it body psychology. And what he meant was if you are absolutely dying and you don't feel good and you're about to pass out, you can always smile, look like you are ready, and fake it till you make it. That's basically what he was saying. So although the other team 
was exhausted. I didn't look exhausted. I looked like I was ready to go. And at times, in my younger days, I certainly wasn't ready to go. But over the years, I've convinced myself that on the snap of someone's fingers, I can go and give great effort. Because it was really a mind thing. And I didn't want my body to look sloppy, ever, ever. I wanted to look ready to go at all times. I wanted to stay ready. And you could see that in my positive body language. So that's my list. Uh, well, excuse me, excuse me, I have two more. A great teammate has a great sense of humor. So uh, a great teammate has a great sense of humor and has fun. Now I realize we can't, we're not in play mode most of the time, but it's important, it's so important to have a good time. And it's been great coaches. Bill Parcells I played for, he used to have fun. Bill Belichick used to have fun. People don't know that Bill Belichick used to have more fun than anyone playing jokes on some players. Like that's what it was all about, really. Because man, the season's long, things get hard, life gets hard, but you gotta be able to laugh. Because laughing can provide some really special relief. It really could. Okay. Twelve. A great teammate holds himself and others accountable to the commitment they made. And what I mean by the commitment they made is anything they said they were going to do. And a lot of people say things in the moment because it sounds good. But keeping your word long after the mood leaves is one of the hardest things to do. That's why you must be mindful of the words that come out of your mouth. Be mindful of the words that come out of your mouth. And whatever you say you're going to do, you absolutely must do it, period. Hold yourself accountable, hold others accountable. But they're gonna hold you accountable as well. Okay, I'm gonna make this this last one because I have a long list here. Um, this is two-part, okay, so a great teammate understands how to deliver praise and criticism. Really important. A great teammate understands how to deliver praise and criticism. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. No one's made you God to crush people's dreams. You wouldn't like someone tearing you down, so don't tear others down. When you want to tell someone something, if it's criticism, think carefully about what you're about to say. Put yourself in their shoes. There's always a positive way to deliver bad information. This is important. I've probably learned more about this in the last three to four years than my entire life. I've seen people fired from jobs, they leave that job feeling like a million bucks. But it's important to keep this person's emotions in mine. Um, 14. A great teammate is willing to accept feedback and is open to hearing other teammates' thoughts. I think if you really want to get better, you hear people out. Really. If you really want to get better, you want to hear what they have to say. Hear what they have to ask them, hear what they have to say, then ask them, how can I improve? But don't sit there, ask them, hear what they have to say, let them tell you how you can improve, and then you not do anything. Do something. I'm tired of giving people information when they don't do anything with it. 
This is so important. Okay, that's my list of uh, be, uh, what being a teammate, uh, the traits of being a teammate are. And I think that it's important that I hear your thoughts. So please leave feedback. That's really important. I want to hear what your thoughts are. And um, I have a few more topics to cover. I'm going to let this one sit and, um, you know, listen to it. I don't ask for anything for the podcast. The podcast is free. What I do ask is that you shoot the podcast over to a friend, a teammate, get their thoughts, and uh, just spread it around. Uh, the Magnum Method podcast is always something I've wanted to do, and it's my way to deliver information to the world and just pass the life lessons that I've learned to everyone else. We're all going to make mistakes. Sometimes the best way to learn a lesson is to make a mistake. But I think it's great that we pass information and communicate with each other because that's what makes the world a better place. All right, guys. Have an amazing day. Positive energy your way. And uh, all the best.